This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee and she is Tam. Hey, hey. And hey, yes, hey. I went back to the hey, hey. I don't <laughs> like the hello. Hello. You didn't like the hello? No. No. Okay. Going back to hey. There you go. The little fat Albert. Hey, hey, hey. No. Hey. Oh, just the one As hey. In, okay. Hey, AJ, I'm a dinger. <laughs> I know, right? Wow, what a race. First is first. How was your weekend, Tim? Well, it's not about my weekend. It's about your weekend because after all, you are the birthday guy. Happy birthday, Renee. Oh, thank you very much, Tim. I uh, almost forgot it was my birthday. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, because Renee went back to his old ways and he partied. He just didn't go to Las Vegas. You went that, to San Diego and Huntington Beach to party this week, right? That is correct. And I'll be honest with you, they don't put much stock into my birthdays anymore these days. But uh, we don't want you getting your 40s. They, you know, they just don't mean as much. So uh, I kind of stopped counting after 37. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, it was really, really, really awesome. A lot of my friends put things together for me. One friend took me out to dinner. Another friend put together a surprise birthday party for me at a at one of the comedy clubs and everything was just so so much of a surprise because I just didn't think about doing too much on my birthday and uh and then it all turned out to be quite interesting and then ended up in San Diego and then coming right back to Huntington Beach. It was just a crazy like three days in a row. But uh now the last couple of days I actually been just working uh just on, on certain things. So uh it, it actually turned out to be a very, very good week for my birthday. So thank you very much. And uh, thank you for a lot of people who um, tweeted me happy birthday on uh, Twitter and uh, and sending me Facebook happy birthdays. I just want to thank everybody who did that. I, I really needed that. I needed it more than I thought. So thank you very much, everybody. That's awesome. And for those of you who don't know, yes, Renee actually has a job. He has two jobs. He's a professional because he has a profession that he went to school for and that is his career. But mm -hmm. he also has another career and profession as a comedian. And we don't talk about it a lot. But Renee, this guy is pretty funny. I think we don't talk or you don't get a chance to shine maybe because I dominate the conversations on the podcast. And a lot of that is just because I'm a woman. And as we know, women can talk. And yes, <laughs> I was feeding into the stereotype of all women do is yap. But honestly, but someone I know, I like to call him a fast friend. He listened to the podcast and he was like, oh my God, he, I, he didn't realize how good it was. Hopefully you guys feel the same way. And I had to explain to him, I was like, yeah, you know, that guy Renee is pretty funny. Unfortunately, I just never give him a chance to shine because I'm too busy yapping. But for well, all that being said, I just wanted to throw that out there. Love nice. you, Renee. Appreciate Love you. Too, you. Tim. Always Not, appreciate you too. I mean, even though this podcast is work, I keep thinking to myself, what will we do without it? And hopefully the fans feel the same way. I hope so, too. And uh, you know what? The fans have a lot to uh, be talking about after this weekend. Oh, yeah. So we were at Daytona for the Coke Zero 400. We're going to do something a little bit different this episode. I want to jump straight into the top 10, as in the top 10 folks drivers that 
actually finish the race. And Mm -hmm. I feel like we need to jump into the top 10 first because that is going to dictate what the rest of this podcast is about. So our top 10, without further ado, at Daytona were Ricky Stenhouse Jr. won the race. Wow. My boy Clint Boyer. Oh, you were going to say something? Nothing. I'm just saying just wow right off the bat. I'm like, I didn't even see that coming. Nobody saw that coming. Again, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. took the top spot, was in the winner's circle. Clint Boyer, hey, Clint, he came in second. Paul Menard came in third. Let me repeat that. Paul Menard came in third. Michael McDonald came in fourth. Ryan Newman, hey, that's a name that we know. Mm-hmm. Ryan Newman came in fifth. David Reagan came in sixth. And the crazy thing is, David Reagan was actually in front at one point. That would have been awesome for front row racing if they could have won a race, but it wasn't meant to be. But a top 10 finish is not bad either. Brendan Gone came in seventh. I like Brendan. Mm-hmm. You know, he runs mainly in Xfinity, but I, I actually like Brendan Gone. My guy, hey, AJ. AJ Amadinger came in eighth. Eric Jones, the young guy, came in ninth. And Chris Busher came in tenth. Let's let that sink in. Ricky Stenhouse again in first. I just had to repeat that. I don't know why. Ryan Newman in fifth. David Reagan, sixth. Brendan Gaughan, seventh. AJ Amadinger, eighth. Eric Jones, ninth. And Chris Busher, tenth. I know I'm taking a valuable time on this podcast, but I just needed to repeat that and let it sink in. And I'm going to say it again. Ricky Stenhouse won Daytona, the Coca-Cola Zero 400. Okay. Congratulations to that kid, man. That is just an unbelievable turn of events that have happened for him this year. I mean, what an incredible turnaround for his career alone. Just this whole entire season alone has just literally like propelled him to another level. Renee, you realize that this season, he's won two races. Yes. And not only has he won two races this season, he's won Talladega and at Daytona. He's won two restrictor plate races. Who mm-hmm. saw that coming? Now, granted, we can all say it's anybody's race to win at a restrictor plate track. But this guy won at both in one season. This is pretty crazy. Some other things I want to mention really quick. Yeah, well, I don't know if I want to say impressive, but interesting. You know, that's the word I always use, interesting. Some notables, Corey LaJoy came in 11th, and I always butcher his name, but Matt DiBenedetto came in 13th, and Bubba Wallace, who was driving the King Richard Petty's car, and shout out to the King who turned 80 today. Bubba came in 15th. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. And hold your thoughts really quick, Renee, because I also want to talk about those names, those guys, those veteran drivers who we did not mention. Because nobody in those top 15 that we just mentioned, and it wasn't a true top 15 because I gave you the top 10, and then I gave you three notables who just so happened fell within 10th through 15th place. But none of those people that I mentioned were the guys that we're used to talking about. So hold on. I'm getting to my point. I just want to give you guys this list of veteran drivers who did not even finish the race. Denny Hamlin, Danica Patrick, Matt Kenseth, Kurt Busch, Brad Kozlowski, Jr., Harvick, Truex, and Joey Logano. 
None of them even finished. They weren't even on the first lap. And what's so ironic about all that is Mackenzie, my guy, the quiet assassin, he led 21 laps. Denny Hamlin led 16 laps. Kevin Harvick led seventh. And Brad Keselowski led 35 laps. He actually led the the most laps out of everybody. And your boy, Dale Earnhardt Jr., who was our pole sitter, who the weight of the world was on because everybody wanted him to win and go out a winner mm. in his last Daytona race. And we'll talk about this later because this is not his last Daytona race, but you know, it was billed by NBC as his last Daytona race. He right. actually only led one lap, which was crazy for him to be the pole sitter. Yeah, that is amazing how you just rattled off a lot of good names there. I mean, and you're right. These are drivers that we're used to seeing either win the race, finish the race, come up in the top five, at least finish in the top 10. Renee, can you say changing of the guard? Yeah, Yes, I can. Changing of the guard. Okay. Is a there bonus. was one person who I did not mention, and I'm shocked nobody caught it or you didn't catch it, but I did not mention Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch was pretty much... The only driver who led a lap during this race of the veteran drivers who finished on the lead lap. And he finished 20th, which was just oddball. Yeah. You know, I wanted to say amazeball, but I felt that that didn't really fit. So I went with an oddball. Not that he was was an oddball, but the situation was an oddball. Right, right, Okay, Renee, can the situation be an oddball? Uh, Yeah, the situation can. It was very odd. It was just weird how, I think usually when you have a lot of wrecks that have happened, and and of course, as NASCAR friends, you usually don't want to see a wreck in general because of, uh, just for the safety of the driver and, and all the drivers around them. But it's amazing how you see that many wrecks because there were a lot of wrecks in this race, Tim. You would think that some of these veteran drivers would take advantage of that. And you normally would see those guys either, like I said, either win the race or at least finish the race or at least come in the top five or the top 10. And instead, you had a lot of these younger guys or these other drivers that you don't hardly ever see. And you usually see them at the back of the pack. And there they are in the top five, the top 10. It's crazy. Renee, you hit it on the nose when you said Rex. There were 27 drivers that were involved in Rex during this race. And there was a record 14 cautions. My goodness. 14 cautions. I believe the record was 12. It was either 11 or 12. I know that this race broke a record with the 14 cautions. I mean, just think about it. 27 drivers were involved in Rex. I just rattled off. What was that? at least 10 veteran drivers that didn't even finish the race. Yeah. This is mind-boggling. I mean, to say Daytona was wild is an understatement. Right. I think it was beyond wild. And I don't know if you caught any of the drivers prior to the race. There were a lot of quotes before and after the race where drivers, they talked about it just... Something was in the air. Now, granted, Mm -hmm. it's hot as hell in Daytona. In fact, I spoke briefly with a friend of mine who works for NASCAR that was out there. And he told me it was hot and miserable in Daytona. So maybe, I mean, we were there for the start of the season for the Daytona 500. And it was hot, muggy, and rainy. 
Mm-hmm. Remember how crazy my hair was looking? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> no matter what I do, I mean, every time I every I was in Daytona almost a week during the five hundred, and I would go to the room and every night trying to look presentable, and it never fails. As soon as I walked outside, it was just crazy here. Yeah. I mean, not that I really put too much into doing my hair anyway, but it just was crazy. So this weekend, 4th of July weekend in Daytona was no different. And just to kind of go over some of the driver quotes, Clint Boyer actually said, at the end of the day, you're three wide because you can. Then all of a sudden, somebody starts slipping up off the corner or checks up late block something and the rest is history. That's what Clint had to say about the race. Kurt Busch, who was also taken out, he said, quote, I saw some crazy stuff happening on the high side. Now, Danica, who always has something to say, so of course we're going to read a quote from Danica. And shout out to her boyfriend, Ricky Stenhouse, because as one person on Twitter said, if it wasn't for Ricky, Danica would never see the winner's circle. Exactly. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, ouch. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. So let's see. Danica said, this Daytona under the lights felt different. It was a wild race from the start. The fans got their money's worth with drivers spreading out to three wide early in stage one and staying there for most of the night. That's what Danica had to say. Brad Keselowski, bad Brad. and. You know, shots to Brad because Brad did not care that it was Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s supposedly last race at Daytona. He raced him as hard as he would race anybody because he literally at the beginning of that race was like, Dale, get out the way. I'm coming. Yep. And that's what he did. He came forward and that's why he actually led so many laps. But, um... Brad had this to say. He said, way different race tonight than usual. Combo of the short stages and softer Goodyear tires has made the track super easy to drive, which equals a wreck fest. Interesting enough, and I read those veteran comments because, and I'm going to put this question to you, Renee. I sensed a hint, a hint, just a small hint of what the hell are these young drivers out there doing? Do they not know that we don't do three wide at Daytona? I don't know. Did you pick that up? I did, and then I was trying to. Uh, I was trying to look back and go, okay, is that is that what they mean? Like, because I, I, I'm sure that that's what they mean. But I think when you have a changing of the guard like this, Tim, I think it's one of those things where these younger drivers and this newer generation has a different mindset of how they're going to race or how they think they should race. And this is going to be, in, I think, in any sport that you you watch, but it's always going to differentiate from an older veteran's way of racing, playing the game, or a strategy and how they go about racing. I think that's just the mentality of being younger and from a different era rather than being older and from a, a different era because it's just one of those things where you just go, okay, well, what worked for this generation is definitely obviously different than what is going to work from an, another generation. Does that make any sense? I don't know if that makes any sense. but It makes perfect sense. Even with the aero packages and Dale has... The, well, the funny thing is Kyle Larson actually... They, I forgot what it was on one of the programs, but they interviewed him and he was like this package and stuff. Like he just dismissed it. And I remember tweeting something to the effect 
that Kyle Larson is starting to sound like Dell Jr. Because remember last year, Dell Jr. was like, why are we always talking about packages? Yeah. You uh, know, yes, and that. Kyle has that old racer soul. That's why people compare him a lot to Tony Stewart or to AJ Foyt. And for him to kind of dismiss all this, he was like this arrow package stuff, whatever. But I don't remember his exact quotes, but it was kind of dismissive of all the packaging and stuff like that. So what you have is the older drivers, veteran drivers have their way of racing and the new guys, they don't really have a way because, well, they have a way because anything seems to go with them. I mean, the fact that you're taking it three wide at Daytona puts it in perspective. That is just different. Right. This is not what we did five years ago. We don't do five wide on restrictor plate racing because something's bound to happen. And obviously, I mean, not, and not that they went five wide, but you know I'm, what I'm saying. Right. Well, I think, and what we were just d- discussing right now is exactly why you have 27 drivers and wrecks and a record of 14 cautions. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Dale Jr. a little bit more. Yes. I know you're our resident Dale Jr. expert analogist. (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you what, Tam, because I was going back and looking at a lot of the videos that were up. I'm watching them one by one, just letting them play out. And... And it's amazing how that this whole Dale Jr. last kind of hurrah of Daytona, supposedly, and just in general, his last year of racing, supposedly, as well. And I'm using like my fingers in quotations mark, like his last, but not really. I'm watching all of these interviews, and it, as far as the race was concerned, I really expected him to do really well in this race, especially because he sat on the pole. The whole Harvick accident taking him out, you know, was just so disappointing. I, it was just disappointing from an all-around kind of view because as a NASCAR fan, I really wanted him, I wanted to see him win the race and at least maybe at least finish the race, maybe in the top five. I would have been even satisfied if he finished in the top 10, Tam. I'm going to be honest with you. Even if he would have finished top 10, I would have been, I would have been satisfied. I just wanted to see the guy just finish the race. And when that Harvick wreck just happened and, and it took him out, I mean, I was just disappointed and I was just like, ah, boy, boy, you know, that just, it was just a disappointment and all together. I watched his, um, his interview afterwards. You know, it's amazing how this guy is just, God, I mean, I tell you, Tim, Dale Jr. just has this personality about him where he's just doesn't seem to let anything like really affect him in, in a very negative way because he sat there and he answered all of these questions. And there was so many, I mean, if you you go back and just look at the interview, I mean, it was just like almost every network, a sports network, every network of uh, television, every news network had a microphone around him. And he's not even at a podium. He's like literally just coming out of the garage, just standing right outside and they're all interviewing. But he was just like, hey, you know what? There was nothing I could do. You know, everybody was racing hard. and, And even after he fell behind those couple of laps and he made up all that time, I mean, I'm sitting there going, hey, man, I go, good things are happening in this race. There there might be a a good outcome. And then when that wreck happens, then you're going, okay, well, maybe that was just wishful thinking. So you kind of look at all that. You just kind of have to like look at Dale Jr. and go, man, you know, this is just a a one awesome dude. You know what I mean? Because he could have literally like flew off the handle, Um, but he didn't. He kind of kept his composure. I watched the interview that he did talking about 
his last race there, uh, you know, the death of his father at that race. And, you know, it's amazing how he answers these questions, not just in a honest and truthful manner, but he answers it with such compassion that you almost felt like in both the interview after the wreck and in the interview with ESPN about what Daytona meant to him, what it means to him, his father dying and how it affected his family and all that jazz. For a moment, you you felt in both interviews that he could have easily gotten emotional, not angrily, but just emotional in the standpoint of just, uh, you know, looking back at everything that has happened, uh, that he's been through. He kept his composure. And I think that speaks volumes in a lot of how he is as a person. And that is why, Tam, when, if and when this guy, and, and I think it's just a matter of when now, when and which network he goes to. He is going to be one heck of a person in that booth. And I don't care who he's surrounded by. I think he's going to give everybody around him. I think everybody around him is going to feed off of him rather than him feeding off of everybody else. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I'll be honest with you. I I don't want to say I got a man crush on Dale Jr., but I just love the guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you're a part of Junior Nation. And I think it's safe to say we all love Dale. I did see a Absolutely. couple of tweets on Twitter where people were a little upset at NBC's coverage of Dale because it did feel like the Dale Jr. show, everything was Dale, 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 which is understandable considering that this is supposedly going to be his last run. But like I always say about Beyonce, I don't identify with a lot of Beyonce's music, but I feel like if you have anything bad to say about Beyonce, you're a hater. Simple yes. as that. So yes, with with Dale Jr., if you have anything bad to say about Dale, you're a hater. It is what it is. Like people say, oh, he hasn't won much. He has. I mean, he's won 17 times, whether it be Cup or Xfinity at Daytona. So obviously everything was going to be around him in terms of the hype. The hype was going to be right. about Dale Jr. Because Dale is Dale and... His dad raced all those years before he finally won. Unfortunately, his dad died at that track. It's almost as if Daytona is synonymous with the Earnhardts. Yes. So I get it. Now, one thing I mentioned and it's been talked about, and that's why I said supposedly, I personally do not think that it is Dale Jr.'s last time racing at Daytona. He's actually said that he may come back. So I'm right. not quite sure why people are like, he's done. I think he will end up being like his friend, Michael Waltrip. I think he'll be like Mikey and be in the booth and come out and race. Because if you remember until this year, when Mikey decided to hang it up, Mikey always came back to race at restrictor plate races because Mikey was good. Well, you know, he wasn't. Great, but he won a couple of restrictor plate races. Right. So as a driver owner analyst, he split his time between being a driver owner analyst up until this year. That is correct. And one thing I did forget to say, Tam, is he did mention also in that interview with ESPN that he was going to race Xfinity races in 2018. So he said that racing at Daytona, he would never say that this would be his last race because he doesn't ever like to say the, the word never. But he said the fact that he's going to be racing Xfinity is probably going to maybe want, want to let him 
race in Daytona again. So he said he would never say never. And, you know, it's possible. Yeah, and he shouldn't because he'll be back. I think he'll race in the clash next season at the beginning of the season. We put a poll up on Twitter and the question was very simple. Will Dale Jr. come back next season to run at Daytona? The options were yes, no, he's done for good, and I hope not. 53% of you said yes. 27% of you said no. 8% said he's done for good, and 12% said I hope not. And just a little note on the 12% that voted I hope not. I think some people took that as in I hope not as in, I hope he's not done. So that one is a little bit questionable, but we will stick with the fact that over half of the people who voted in the pool said that he will be back. One other quote that I want to mention, this comes from his teammate. This comes from Mr. Seven-Time Jimmy Johnson. He was asked whether or not he thought Dell was done, and he said, I have a feeling he will be back. And that was from his teammate, Jimmy Johnson. So for Jimmy to say that, I think we can bank on it that he will be back. And more importantly, let's think about how Jeff Gordon went out last year before last and he came back. Now, granted, I know he came back to sub in for Dell Jr., but he was back. Exactly. You know, those juices still flow. And you know, Tam, that goes with any sport. I mean, we see it none other than, I think, box boxing probably is one of the highest sporting events where those athletes continue to come back over and over and over again. And Manny Pacquiao is just the latest one to do it. And and even after the fight the other night that he and that he lost, he said he would still be open to fight the same guy again. So, I mean, I think it's just in an athlete's type of their makeup that that's who they are. And they come calling back it to exactly what they love to do. And in this case, they love racing. Well, Manny Pacquiao needs to not come back. Yeah. And granted, the, <laughs> that call for that fight was a little questionable. I but Manny, so he just needs to sit down and go be the governor of the Philippines or whatever <laughs> office he holds. So I think, I think it's the that. mayor, but a uh, governor would be fine mayor, for him, governor, sure. whatever. Go sit down, Manny. And after Floyd does whatever he does against Conor McGregor, McGregor <laughs> help me out, Renee. It's Conor McGregor. <laughs> McGregor. Why am I so tongue-tied with that? I don't know. Nonetheless, you guys know who I'm trying to talk about. He needs to sit himself down, too, and take that money. In fact, he needs to give me some of that money, then sit down. How That'd be that? nice, yeah. Okay, one person, since we talked about Jimmy Dale and Jeff, we haven't talked about Casey Kane. Casey Kane was the topic of conversation. Dustin Long over at NBC Sports, he actually wrote an article and it's titled, Casey Kane hears speculation about future, but focused on better results. Well, if he was focused on better results, he wasn't focused enough because did he even finish at Daytona? You know what? I don't remember if he did or not. And um, gosh, and if he did, it it obviously wasn't high enough for us to remember. (laughs) Well, Casey Kane is quoted in Dustin's article as saying that he wants to be in a good situation and that he wants to be wanted and that he wants to perform. I want to race well. I just 
work hard every week. I'm part of the team. I do everything I can to try to do a better job. I listen to criticism from my guys. I criticize when that needs to be done in that direction. And we work hard to go into the next race. I just think his time is done. And he has a contract through 2018, but with all the speculation, I think it's probably a good chance that Hendrick buys him out of his agreement and he takes his talents elsewhere. He probably is not doing anything wrong, similar to Danica for that matter. It's just sometimes the situation is not right. And I feel as if his situation at Hendrick Motorsports has run its course. He's lost two sponsors because I know he lost great clips. Mm-hmm. And he's lost farmers insurance. But the ironic thing, I believe I saw great clips on Eric Jones car. They were on some other car. I do recall that. So you, you lost a sponsor that's still in the sport. That's not really a good thing. I just think his time is up. I don't think he lived up to the marketing hype because, you know, Casey Kane's a nice looking guy. He should have been appealing to women. He really should have been Tony Stewart, how ladies love smoke. He was supposed to be ladies love cool Casey King. Yeah. Yeah. I totally But it agree. didn't work like that. I think at one moment they did, but all the young girls that are getting into this sport should be Casey Kane fans. Yeah, you know He I should mean, be the one direction of NASCAR. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, right? I mean he has that this young kind of kid look and, and I don't know specifically how old Casey Kane is, but he's not that old. I mean he's I mean, I mean, I'm I'm looking at my age and then looking at his, and he's, he's definitely not you know that old. But I mean, he just looks like he does appeal to a, a younger generation of NASCAR fans, and especially like the female fans of NASCAR. I mean, it just seemed like he had potential, and then just I don't know, I just uh, he just kind of fizzled away, you know, almost like a one hit wonder kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like, hey, that was a that was a good hit, and then uh, I don't know, and then you never hear from the guy again. You're like, what happened to that guy? Honestly, I just felt, I remember going to Hendrick Motorsports uh, four years ago, and I said this while I was standing in the hallways of the office, and I said, Casey Kane, don't, it don't feel like he belongs there. And I said that four years ago. Here we are four years later, and the chatter has gotten louder in that he probably does not belong there. Yeah. Again, I don't know these people. In terms of what they do during the off off season or on the weekends, but he doesn't even feel like he's a part of the team. Yeah, you know? I think you're right. I think you're right. I think he feels like the uh, the the outsider, like just uh, the oddball. You know what I mean? He's like the oddball out. Like, yeah, you know. I mean, think about it. Jimmy Johnson is the from California. You know, Jimmy has this little thing about himself, but. Even though Jimmy's from California, he's, you know, this nice looking guy who's Mr. Seven Time. I can still see him and Dale having a conversation or him and Jeff, for that matter, when Jeff was there. Dale gets along with everybody. We're going to keep it 100. Dale is country. That is what it is. You know, Dale Jr. is country and not in a bad way. He's, you know, he likes to hunt and grab a beer. Yeah, exactly. That's not really what you see. In regards to Jimmy, and that's definitely not Jeff Gordon, who said one of his favorite places to vacation is the South of France. When you're talking about going to the South of France as one of your places to vacation, yeah, you're not about the country life. I'm going to keep it 100. Right. Because I'm not about that life either. I don't go to the South of France to vacation. 
but I do like to go to Europe and vacation. So, right. yeah. <laughs> now, with Casey Kane, we don't have a read on him. And it's almost like with Chase Elliott, we don't have a read on Chase either, for that matter. But it seems like Chase Elliott is more accepted by his team than Casey Kane. I mean, it's almost like if Casey Kane's teammates got together and said, hey, we're, you know, let's go out for a drink. And then they all get together, and then Casey Kane finds out about it the next day and says, you guys want to go get a drink, and oh, how come nobody called me? I mean, Casey Kane's like that guy. Chase, I think Chase Elliott's on a different level in a sense of like with his teammates, because then they're like, oh, hey, you know what? Hey, we're all going out for a drink tonight, you know? So, uh, you know, uh, call Chase, you know, let him know to meet us there. And that just doesn't seem like it happens with Casey Kane. So it's like, uh, you know. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> That's my yeah. point. Well, let's go on to talk about What's going on in NASCAR briefly, because we've been already talking for a long time. Oh, I know. I want to talk about NBC's coverage of the race because this was NBC's first race back since Fox left on what most have reported as a very low note. And I want to talk about rude ass NASCAR fans. And yes, I said rude ass because at some point, As a fan who loves to talk about NASCAR, that's why we do this podcast. It is a podcast for fans by fans. I get tired of the negativity with NASCAR fans. And not only do I get tired of the negativity, you guys think you know everything. You have no idea. Now, granted, you may say that about us, but I can guarantee that I have more inside information than most of you guys. I've done more than you guys will ever do. Whether it's having catfish and french fries with DW or being on TMZ, thanks to Mikey, or being on Fox Sports, thanks to Rutledge, or sitting in the media center and being behind the NASCAR actually doing a couple of laps. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Like, do I need to even talk about how many drivers I've interviewed? And not being braggadocious, but I always try to stay positive, even though sometimes I want to be negative. And I will say this, what I'm not going to tolerate is fans on the Twitter cussing at us. So Renee, I know you know what I'm talking about, but there was a fan who had the nerves to cuss at us. He said, S-H-I-T, stop hiding behind your computer. And also remember this, how you feel is not always right. Because me and Renee have been talking for 30 something minutes. We're not always right. Understand that about life. And, you know, NASCAR fans are always disgruntled. That's what's wrong with the sport because NASCAR has made mistakes. People make mistakes. But stop being so disgruntled. It's a sport that we all love. Be positive about things. I get it. You guys hate Danica Patrick. Why? And Renee, what do we always say? Well, I mean, we're not Danica haters. We're just not Danica fans. And I think that means something completely different than people who just, I think, want to attack certain drivers or certain people in general in a very negative way, especially when it gets to the point where they're using profanity uh, towards you uh, or a, a driver or an athlete in general. You know, so then it becomes a little bit more personal. And then I, I agree with you. I think the, there's moments where you go, okay, well, wait a minute. You know, this is. It's not about me. It's not about you. We're just talking, we're talking NASCAR. And and yes, I have to admit, I like the passion of talking sports in general because, and, and, that, and that will go in with anything. That will go with NASCAR, uh, football, baseball, basketball, you name it. I get just as passionate about sports 
as the next person does. But as fans, we have to kind of at least remember a certain level that we can get to with when it comes to being personal. I personally hate uh, when fans hide behind computers. They hide behind the emails and the, the Twitter accounts and stuff like that. Because as a comedian, and I've heard other comedians say this as well, but I can certainly identify it. So it's not like I'm stealing a joke or, or anything like that. I'm just reiterating a lot of what I've heard other comedians say, but I agree with it because it sucks, Tam, when as a comedian, you go up on stage or you get on TV or you say something in, in public, people don't agree with it. They call it insensitive. They want you to be so filtered. They want you to be politically correct. And then you get a, a person on the internet, whether it's YouTube or it's Twitter, and they hide behind their computers and, and then they can say whatever the hell they want and they have no filter. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're going to try to like, you know, filter me for trying to say what I say and trying to be politically correct and not be so insensitive. But some idiot can get on YouTube and post some outrageous crap or somebody can post something on Twitter and use profanity towards anybody. Uh, yeah, see, and that, that, that really bugs me. What happened was, and then we'll go on to NBC, a fan tweeted us, and for the most part, we tweet a lot of articles because we like to keep you guys informed. So we tweet articles from NBC, Fox, Sporting News, SB Nation, and somehow something slipped between the cracks and an article went out about the Xfinity race and it was a little after the fact. And the fan tweeted us and was like, you know, correct this SHIT or I'm going to be out, blah, blah, blah. And I just felt that it was inappropriate because mistakes happen. So we politely responded and said, be out. And I know that's probably not the most professional thing to do, but it was followed up with a tweet that said, hey, we're here. We make mistakes. We're fans, first and foremost. And we want to talk to happy fans. And granted, you're not going to always be happy. You're going to be angry about something sometimes. But hey, don't come at us like that because we're here doing a service for you guys that we're not being paid for. So have a little respect. And yeah. speaking of mistakes, NBC actually made a bunch of mistakes. And like I told one of our followers on Twitter, be easy on them because it's actually their first broadcast back. But some of the mistakes were a bit interesting. One of the on-camera guys, he referred to the Cup Series as the Monster Energy Sprint Cup Series, which was like, ouch, he really did that. And then to top it all off, right after that... They were showing something and then at the bottom it said Sprint Cup. It didn't even say Monster Energy Sprint Cup. It just said Sprint Cup. And we're like, oh my God, did they really just do that? And then I didn't, I hated the special effects of this race. Like they, they called it their back cam, but it made, made the footage look funny when the cars were coming around. Somebody has said something like it was like low resolution. Something was just really weird about it. And last thing, and this is not so much a mistake. But they got to do better. One of the things I forgot is that how many commercials NBC runs. They've run entirely too many commercials. And a fan had tweeted us and said he read an article, but he couldn't find the article. So I don't want to be quoted on this. But he said that he found he had read someplace that only 
like 60% or something of the race was being shown. That was what they said last year because the rest was commercial. I don't mind the commercials, but you can't have a commercial when there's a big wreck. And they came back from commercial and it was the big one, the first big one. Like You can't do that. It actually ruined the experience because it was so many commercials. Each time we went to commercial break, it took me out of the flow. I did not like that. So hopefully they'll get better. And one last thing I do want to say about NBC, Otto Bolden, who's an Olympic runner and who actually is a on-camera analyst for NBC for track and field. He has been introduced as a new person on the NBC staff. I'm a little indifferent about that. I love Rutledge. I was glad to see Rutledge Wood back. He People were mad because he kind of did a thing with his daughters that was adorable, that broke down stage racing. And people were like, well, we should already know by now. But I was like, look, this is for the new people who are watching and new fans. So I think NBC did an excellent job. Like all of Rutledge. All of his little pieces were good. Even when he had Ryan Blaney jump in the swimming pool, that was most excellent. And shout out to Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott's hair. Yeah, I said hair. I was just thinking like, boy, those two young guys, they both they both have a good, good little, they have some nice hair. I know that's weird, but Blaney no, jumped in the pool and he jumped out of the water and he slicked his hair back. And I was like, okay. I know most people would say, ooh, but I was like, oh, he has some nice hair. And then I thought about Chase Elliott also has some nice hair. So shout out to them. But going back to Otto Bowman, he did a couple of things. Like he actually raced a car on the beach of Daytona. He got behind the wheel and he talked about what they used to do in the old days and how Daytona was actually built because they could no longer run on the beach because the cars got fast. I don't know. I'm indifferent about it. Ask me next week how I feel about him on the sidelines. Okay. Or in the garage for that matter. Okay, so it's time for some predictions and for our fan comment of the week. We're going to do something a little different. We've had a fan comment of the week that has come from a driver, but this time we're doing a fan comment that comes from a sports reporter. We're actually going to do two. So the first one comes from Ricky Craven. Shout out to Ricky Craven. On ESPN, he came on and he said that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was a viable candidate, you know, summarizing what he said for taking over the number 88. So we tweeted from our account, Ricky Craven and his user is Ricky Craven ESPN on ESPN, really talking about Stenhouse Jr. taking over the number 88. Really? Let the comments begin. Yeah, right. to our surprise, Ricky Craven jumped in and was like, the point I am selling is this. Stenhouse Jr. is ready to compete for a title now and worthy of an investment from any top team. Mm -hmm. I like that, Ricky. But I don't want to see him in the 88. And I don't think fans want to see him in the 88. So, yeah, you know what? Ricky Craven is a personality that I really enjoy listening to. But I don't want to hear nothing about no Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in the 88. And, of course, we had a bunch of fans weigh in with their comments on what was going on. And somebody actually fixed their mouth to talk about Greg Biffle being in the 88. I want to see the Biff back, but Biffle will not be in the 88. So put that out your mind now. Yeah. And then our other comment comes from, so this actually comes from the NASCAR Reddit board, but it tracks back to a NASCAR reporter. 
There's a thread on the NASCAR Reddit board that says Gluck, as in Jeff Gluck, was singled out by NASCAR officials for doing his job. And this kind of goes back to Jeff Gluck's article and bringing in his comment. I'm just going to skip to the very end of his article. This article is titled An Unpleasant Anniversary. The last line he writes is, anyway, the whole experience served as an important reminder. Each tweet, story, or interview helps shape a reporter's reputation, and it's a lot easier to ruin it than build it up. So now that you have that, I'm going to tell you really, really quickly what the article was about and why you need to read it because it's an excellent read. Apparently, last year, when Jeff Gluck was still writing for USA Today, He wrote an article that was titled NASCAR Looks Beyond Declining Attendance and TV Ratings. And he talks about how he had been working on the story for months. Well, when he broke the story and published the story and he did, he's a real journalist. He interviewed people at NASCAR and everything. Interviewed people from NASCAR and he also interviewed about 200 fans for this particular piece that he worked on. And... What ended up happening was the piece was used in a NASCAR meeting that they have every year with NASCAR drivers. It's just NASCAR officials and NASCAR drivers. They have a meeting talking about the state of NASCAR. And guess what happened? They were mad about the article. They were super mad. I mean, drivers were mad. I mean... We didn't know this, but Jeff Gluck in his article talks about how upset Carl Edwards was. And shout out to Carl, because we'll see you next year at Daytona. How about that? This was very interesting. I mean, and there's so many comments, but in the sake of time, I won't read the comments, but I will direct you guys over to jeffgluck.com to read the article. Again, it was published on June 30th on his website and it's titled NASCAR Journalism, USA Today Attendance Story Reaction. But again, the main title is An Unpleasant Anniversary and he breaks it down. And again, I am so sorry for talking fast, but I'm like, we have been talking. Well, I shouldn't say we because I'm clearly dominating the conversation. So I'm going to let Renee jump in right now. And Renee, tell me, who are you predicting to win at Kentucky? It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. Oh, boy. Here we go, Kentucky. Now, you know what? I had it already in mind who I... I was going to have, and then I changed it for some reason, because like I've said, always said before, Tim, I, I usually like to go off of vibes. Believe it or not, I am going to go with Brad Kislowski winning this race in Kentucky, and my dark horse, I'm going to go with Jimmy Johnson again. Jimmy Johnson is going to be my dark horse, and I see Brad Kislowski coming out of the blue and actually winning this race. Are those your picks and you sticking to it? Those are my picks and I'm sticking to them, so let's hear yours, Tim. Here we go. Okay, I always start with the past 10, and that is the past 10 at the track that we're racing at before I give you my predictions. I'm going to hit you with a couple of facts. There is no past 10 this episode. You know why? We've only been running cup races in Kentucky for the past six years. Now, granted, we have been running Xfinity races longer than six years in Kentucky and Camping World, but only six years of cup racing. So here's my past six. In 2016, Brad Kozlowski won. 2015, Kyle Busch. 2014, Brad Kozlowski. 2013, Matt Kenseth. 2012, Brad Kozlowski. 2011, Kyle Busch. 
If you didn't pick up on it, it seems as if in the past six years, it's been the Brad and Kyle Bush show. Exactly. Okay. Now, we run twice each year when it comes to Xfinity races at Kentucky. Kyle Bush is a two-time winner in the Xfinity races in Kentucky. He won in 2016, and his first win was in 2004. That's a long time. That's 12 years. Brad Keselowski has won three times in the Xfinity series at Kentucky. He first won in 2011, then again in 2013, and then in 2015. Now, not to be outdone because we know all Kyle Busch does is win, win, win. Kyle Busch also won two Camping World races at Kentucky. He won in 2011 and 2014. So now that I've kind of given you guys some facts, I'm going to give you my prediction strictly based on history. I'm going to go with Brad Keselowski and Kyle Busch to continue their domination. I feel like Kyle Busch is overdue. I think he's going to shake off whatever is on his back. And then let's not forget Joe Gibbs Racing still has not won a race this season. So I'm going to pick Kyle Busch as my winner and Brad Keselowski as my dark card. Wowza. So well, actually, I of- really do want to pick Kyle Busch as my dark card. <laughs> but no, I'm okay, that's my pick and I'm sticking to it. Renee, close the show. There you go. All right. Well, those are her picks. Those are my picks. If you got picks, hit us up on our social media. You can find us across the board, especially on Twitter at Turns No Breaks. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast. Uh, hit us up on iTunes. Rate, review us, leave a comment. We always do appreciate that. And uh, for Tam, for myself, we will see you here next week. Bye bye. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 